I really struggled to put this show or this episode together uh, for this week. I think that in terms of interest, the DeFeo, the Amityville murders, the Amityville horror story is interesting overall uh, from the weird conspiracy to the collusion to, you know, Ed and Lorraine Warren getting involved and just being their grifter shitbag selves. But the main story is really, really interesting. Here you have a guy, Ron DeFeo Jr., that feels like he's entitled to whatever he's entitled to, especially since, well, he's passed away since, but especially after murdering his family. He wanted all the money, he wanted all the fame, and he wanted all the recognition for it. And then he didn't, but he, he wanted all the recognition for the good stuff and blamed everybody else for all the bad stuff that happened and never once took responsibility for himself. So, I mean, the struggle that I'm having with this particular episode was the fact that there was contracts involved, you know, these little side note things where it was just William Weber sending information back and forth to Ron about monies earned and all this other shit. Well, in the state of New York, they passed a law like prior to DeFeo uh, getting all these book contracts and movie contracts signed and whatever else that the people that committed crimes could not cash in on the crime. All that money had to go to the families of the victims. So uh, suffice to say, it got boring and I'm a little rusty about doing this. You know, I used to have a partner that I could bounce things off of and uh, talk everything out. So doing a solo show is a little difficult for me right now, but I'll get used to it. And hopefully, uh, you guys will enjoy what is coming down the pipe. But right now we're focusing on the Amityville murders. I found this story interesting because of how how the story really wound up and all the all the back end backstabbing, all the plot twists, if you want to call them that, you know, William Weber walking away from uh, the DeFeo trial to become a literary agent instead of his lawyer, the judge shopping, the uh the multiple lawyers defending William Weber, Briganti Sr., his his grandfather, you know, no longer paying for anything because Butch refused to listen to anybody's words. It's not the word I'm looking for. Suggestions. Butch wanted to do it his own way. And it ultimately cost him the trial. And according to everything, this trial was a sham in the first place. The outcome was not a sham. The outcome they got right, but the whole process of the trial and not just that, like during the trial, like a year after the murders, right in the middle of everything, they literally sold the house right in the middle of the trial. And at the end of the trial, coincidentally, is when the Lutzes moved in and then like 28 days later or give or take, they moved out under strange circumstances. And then all of a sudden a book and a movie and everything else, this is all within three years that this happened. The book, the movie, and the sequel all happened within from 1974 to 1978. And, you know, if, if you know anything about being a writer, if you know anything, and I've already talked about this, you know, as a movie studio, getting everything set up and production and everything else, it takes a year and a half for production. It's two years. It's, it's a three-year process. So all of this stuff was happening behind the scenes while Butch was in trial. And William Weber is the guy that's behind it all. 
And that's what I found interesting. That's what I find interesting about this story. It's, it's going to get a little bit more interesting when we talk about the Lutzes and the Warrens and everything else. But I just couldn't, I couldn't find myself working on this episode because it just, it sucked. It ended up, it, it, it ended up okay. But that whole middle part was just, bleh. so I apologize. I'm going to try better and to get out this information you know, and try to finish off this entire story. It's taking a little bit of time, but I have to, I'm a solo act. I'm doing it by myself. So, you know, it is what it is. So for those of you that are, that are listening, I appreciate it. For those of you that are just jumping in, I appreciate it. Uh, we're going to go from there. All right. So the last we left off, we were still learning about all the murders that were going on with the Amityville Horror. We've gone through the trial. We've gone through the, I don't want to call it a conspiracy, but it seems that people like William Weber and the Lutzes were involved in taking advantage of the situation and profiting off profiteers, if you want to call it that. And Butch wanted a piece of that action. So here's what I find interesting. There is a statement from um, author Rick Osuna. Rick Osuna wrote the book, The Night the DeFeos Died. It was published uh, in 2002. It was optioned by Sony Television for a film on USA Network. Uh, Rick worked for the History Channel back in 2000. He was a lead researcher and a co-producer on a documentary about the Amityville case. Uh, he didn't like the way that the History Channel was going about producing the film or the documentary. So he decided that he wanted to tackle the story himself. And he had a lot of challenges along the way with writing that book. Um, threats, obstacles. He wanted to tell the whole story. The, the interesting thing is, is that he wrote a statement about Butch and Butch's sister. Not, I'm sorry, not sister. And Butch's wife, Geraldine, in regards to Butch's mindset and how Geraldine viewed Butch before she passed away. And the one thing is this. So Rick met Butch in November of 2000 at Greenhaven Correctional. Uh, he didn't know what type of person Butch was going to be before interviewing him. He found that Butch was very frank and open. He seemed nervous at the constant gawks and stares he received from other visitors. And they spent six hours discussing, you know, the murder trial and the Amityville stories. And then as Rick was leaving, Butch practically hugged him before they parted ways. Butch seemed very thankful that people were going to find out the truth about what happened that night, but it's all a facade. Butch is, Butch is his father. Butch is a monster. He's a victim. He's a confused little boy, a coward, a schemer, and a cold-blooded mass murderer. So Butch was tortured by his father. By dealing with all that, he escaped into drugs. He was beaten up by the police. He didn't get a fair trial, obviously. I mean, he really didn't get a fair trial, regardless of the outcome of the trial. The whole backstory of the trial is just a nightmare. But that doesn't take away from the fact that Butch is a murderer. He is filled with hate. He lies about everything. He's greedy. And he's willing to exploit his dead family consistently. He's been in prison for more than half of his life. He's more interested in money and fame than being a good person, than changing, and then admitting guilt about what he did to his own family. But Butch has one other quality. It's called extortion. Butch threatened Rick with extortion. If Rick didn't pay Butch by funneling money through Geraldine, then Butch was going to start spreading lies about Geraldine and the book. More to the point, in a letter to Geraldine prior to the publication of The Night the DeFeos Died, Butch wrote, let's sue now unless you are down with Rick. And if you are not, then he better make you an offer quick. I am serious, so let me know. So Geraldine didn't even acknowledge that. She refused to help 
Butch extort money from Rick. She also refused to remarry him. The only thing Geraldine promised Butch's grandfather, Michael Brigante Sr., when he was alive, was that she would never abandon Butch. And so far, I mean, Geraldine passed away in 2015, so she made good on her promise. Butch is filled with hatred. The parole board consistently rejects his bids for freedom. And, I mean, honestly, would you want a man on the street who has publicly boasted about killing his parents and his younger sister? Would you want a man released into the public that has turned on people that have shown him nothing but love and offer to help him? Butch turned on Rick because he wouldn't help Butch profit from his crimes. And he also turned on Geraldine because she didn't join in with him. Geraldine was not his first wife that Butch sued. Probably not going to be the last. Butch had threatened legal action against his grandmother's estate because he wanted a bigger cut of her will. He even wanted a court order to exhume her body to obtain the DeFeo portraits that were reportedly buried with her. When Butch gets tired of people, he turns on them. But only through incredible generosity and compassion do these individuals forgive Butch for his insane behavior. In 2003, Butch DeFeo made good on his threats and sued Geraldine, uh, Rick's publishers, and Rick himself. Following the court case, Geraldine received a phone call from someone that represented Butch. This person informed Geraldine that Butch would recant all the negative things he said if he was paid 75% of all the profit. And Geraldine basically told him to go to hell before hanging out. That's a sad end to uh, the relationship that Butch and Geraldine had. The problem is, is that the good person that was Butch probably doesn't exist. I mean, Geraldine, I, you know, we I don't know much about her past, but Geraldine wouldn't have loved and devoted herself to Butch if he was always this way and being incarcerated didn't help. So Rick and Geraldine became real good friends. She only wanted the truth to come out. She never once tried to steer the investigation. She never once asked for money. And she would always tell Rick that she wanted him to report the truth, even if it meant that Butch did the murders by himself, if that was the conclusion. During the research of the book, Rick and Geraldine were both followed and intimidated, and obstacles were placed in their way to get the information that they needed. Geraldine never took one penny from Rick for her participation in his book. She's even said so that she's never asked for any money. She just wanted, she wanted the truth to be out there. And that's the thing. Some people aren't in it for the money. Some people are in it for truth. Some people are in it for, you know, doing the right thing. And I think that's what Geraldine, I mean, she, she remarried and had a family and everything else, but still it's one of those things where Butch can't see the forest through the trees. He thinks that it's all about money. He thinks he's going to be able to get out and, you know, live a life of comfort and, and that'll fix everything. All this money will fix everything. And that's his issue. So part of, part of this whole thing is there's a, there's an excerpt I want to read it's from Butch DeFeo's handwritten letter to Geraldine about wanting Rick to make an make them an offer. And it starts with fraud. Yes. How can I lose the lawsuit? Plus they will prosecute him. Yes. So what do you think now? You're a paralegal. Let's sue now unless you are down with Rick. And if you're not, then he better make you an offer quick. I serious or I'm serious. So let me know. Hey, it's 2 a.m. This letter is too long. It's all true. And I do love you. Would like to have crazy mad sex, blah, blah, blah. So don't think you're fooling me. Smile well. Good night. Thank you as you now know everything. Until the next time, take care, love, God bless you, love always, Ronnie. That was part of that. So there's there's also a bunch of letters. All Butch wants is his, his nut in this whole entire scenario. And it's fucking ridiculous. He's more consumed with fame and money than, than the truth. But what is the truth? And we'll get into that next.